0: Okay, we have another episode. And we have, um, how do you want me to introduce you, Dr. Al, Al Carroll or Professor <laughs> Al Carroll? Uh, Al, Al Carroll is fine. Yeah. Okay. Can you <laughs> introduce yourself? And yeah, please. Thank you.
1: Okay, sure. My name is Al Carroll. Um, I'm associate professor of history at Northern Virginia Community College. I've been teaching there about 11 years. And before that, I taught in, in, in Arizona and Texas uh, and in Indonesia as a Fulbright scholar. I've written uh, six or edited six different books, uh, all history, all um, about about primarily about genocide atrocities, wars, veterans. um, You know, and also about the human rights of presidents. I've also written some fiction, um, and so mostly alternate history. Uh, That's pretty much, and I'm also pretty well known for New Age Frost plastic shamans. uh, This advocacy group I've been part of for coming up on twenty years now. Uh, where we report on imposters who pretend to be Native medicine people. You know, so that's pretty much what I do, yes.
0: Yeah, I think that's one. that was one of the first websites I've encountered when it comes to like way back in the day <laughs> when, I, when I spoke about pretend Indians was your site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but okay, but we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> we're okay. here to talk about your series, your What If series, on Indigenous, alternate Indigenous uh, his, uh, history. Can you talk yes. about that? What drove you to make this series and how, how is it so far?
1: Oh, I think, well, the thing is, is when I started teaching, uh, I right away ran into the problem is that is that a lot of students, white students, uh, re- really wanted to insist that things could not have turned out any differently. It was just inevitable. It was just inevitable that that Europeans were going were going to take over and their descendants were going to run this continent and native people were just too primitive and they're just too doomed and disease was always going to wipe them out and no matter what happens things are going to turn out exactly the way they are. And so I started looking into the field, you know, that was kind of this this literary field that's been around for a long time of alternate history where where you basically you take one major event in history and you have it turn out dramatically different. And the best-known examples of that to the public today would be Man in the High Tower, Man in the High Castle, um, and also uh, *Inglorious Bastards, where basically World War II turning points, where the Nazis take over, and that's the res- that's what results. Or uh, where the, the World War II ends sooner because you kill Hitler, and that's, this is what results. Uh, but what I'm doing this, I'm deliberately choosing to do this with indigenous peoples, with native peoples, because the assumption that so many people have – it, that it just could not have be, been any other way that things are doomed to turn out the way they, they are uh, and i think the ones who say that most often are trying to convince themselves uh deep down they probably don't believe it either or they or they, even as much as they want to it's their way of making themselves feel better about what their ancestors did and what the, the and from the fact that they know they benefit from some very hor- horrible things so when I I, just, I basically have come up with several dozen scenarios where you have surviving strong Native peoples and, and nations. Um, and so I've come up with several dozen of them that I use on, the, on my exams when I teach, uh, that students can write about them. And myself and Rob Schmidt of Blue Corn Comics, uh, we have a book coming out. The original title was intended to be What If Natives Won?, but it looks like we're switching to, we decided to switch to what we think is going to get more attention, uh, the title of Killing Columbus. That again, and we've, we've gotten about a dozen other people uh, to write these scenarios. Uh, I've written a couple of them for this, for this as well. All these different ways that history could have turned out dramatically different, where Columbus could have been killed, or somebody else could have gone instead of Columbus or Europe never developed the technology, or Europe was conquered. I or know, others co- – okay. um, well, mm-hmm. Europe might have been conquered by the, by the Mongols. Europe might have been conquered by the Umayyad Caliphate. And then you have a very different kind of Europe who would not have carried out the conquests in the same way. Uh, you know, the, the Muslim conquerors, the Muslim caliphates – they definitely did conquest, but they didn't carry out genocides the same way Europeans did. And so you would have had a lot of atrocities, but you would have had most native people remaining alive. And the same thing would have happened, I mean, if, if, if for the Mongols, because they never were good at developing sea warfare, uh, they never would have gotten past Europe. And so that meant that Europe would have stayed under Mongol conquest for several more centuries and then finally like what happened in China the mongols got assimilated they got uh, they became chinese culturally yeah and the same thing the same thing would have happened in europe but that means that native people get three or 400 more years and so when europeans finally do colonize they'll be facing native people with similar level of technology yeah who probably have steel who probably have firearms and so the conquest will be very difficult and very uneven.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, the, one, one of the episodes that fascinated me was what if um, Germans and Comanches fought back against the Te- Texas Republic, right? And yes. What if Karl Marx <laughs> helped Comanches, you know, liberate, you know, Texas? I, I think, yeah, what people don't understand yet is that there is, or there was, it still is, a German population here in Texas. You know, from German people that migrated into Texas. A lot of people came to Texas, but there is like there is like, forgot that, forgot the name of the city in Texas, but there's a city up north where it's like a big Texas town. But yeah, can you talk about that episode?
1: Yeah, that basically, um, yeah, there were there were a lot of German colonists. That basically, when Texas was being, uh, frankly, invaded, you know, by American colonists. Uh, and a lot of people worldwide were, were seeing or taking notice of the fact. See the reason why the, the Germans the reason why American colonists were invited into Mexico in the beginning was because there was an uprising. There had been an earlier attempted uprising with, uh, by American colonists, you know by America what were called back then filibusters. Basically, a private invasion of Americans came in and they allied with some local people inside Texas and in crushing that rebellion, there were so many people killed that Texas was partly depopulated. And so that's why more American colonists were then invited in by a different Mexican government. And then you had this uprising, the Texas Republic uprising, which is, most people are are not aware of this. This is something that if you live in Texas, you have what I would call Texas nationalism, Texas exceptionalism, the same way you have American exceptionalism. This idea that Texas is the greatest, is the best in everything. Is the perfect, ideal place. The most manly men, the most freest place ever. Um, you know, all of this is exceptionalist ideas, and so the truth is that the Texas Republic people, they were not. They were. They were revolting to hold on to slavery, and so right away it starts attracting all the pro-slavery people, and the majority of people involved in the Texas uprising had been there less than a year. Or they were much more recently recent illegal immigrants. And the best known example of an illegal immigrant was Davy Crockett. So, But one group that also came in at that same time, Germans fleeing failed revolutions in Germany. Uh, And they were some fairly radical people that you had a lot of early socialists, early anarchists, early freethinkers, early of what would become communist. One person who almost came to Texas was Karl Marx. And then he changed his mind and went to London instead, and worked for uh, worked for English newspapers, and later on worked for the New York, uh, the New York Post. Um, and so, what this one of the scenarios that that I came up with, uh, there was an attempted uprising by Prince Carl Solms Bronfels, who is uh, and the city of, in Texas called New Bronfels is named after him.
0: Oh yeah, that, that's what it is, New Bronfels.
1: So. Yes, yeah, yeah, and and Texas, you have in in. In central Texas, you have what's called the German Hill Country, basically the area north of San Antonio and west of Austin, about 12 counties that are predominantly German-American. Uh, it's got the biggest worst fest and biggest Oktoberfest outside of Germany, anywhere in the world. Uh, it is, And it is, they are left of center in so many ways that, again, early socialist. Uh, there were a number of communes. There they, they were anti-slavery. Uh, they signed a treaty with the Comanche people, uh, you know. Uh, a treaty of peace and friendship, where they agreed to pay for the land they were on, and they agreed to avoid violence if at all possible, uh, and they agreed to pass through, through each other's territory peacefully. So, there was an attempted uprising uh, by these German colonists. They deliberately chose to be away from the rest of Texas, on the edge of what had been Texas Republic territory, with the, and they deliberately chose the hill, the hill country, the hill country area because it would be difficult for attacking forces to come in. They planned the uprise and formed their own new Deutschland, uh, this new Germany. They had a shipment of weapons coming in from the US. The US authorities found out about it and intercepted them and they had to call off the uprising. But
0: this, this, ima- happened, right?
1: this is this, this is all real. Yeah. But, but what this imagines is that the shipment of, up- of weapons is not seized and they can begin their uprising. And who would they have allied with? The Comanche are the logical allies because they already have a treaty of, of peace and friendship with them and the texas republic had been doing some horrific atrocities against them the texas rangers most people are not aware of this because they only know you know chuck norris the tv series and a lot of old westerns you know and then it was intercepted by the us government and so they they called off up the uprising well what this imagines is that the weapons come through they carry out their uprising the comanches are their allies during this uprising because the Comanches had faced a lot of atrocities from Texas Rangers. The Texas Rangers were not paid. And so the way they made money was by raiding native tribes. They would raid native tribes to steal the horses, to steal the buffalo hides. And and so that's where they got their wealth. And so this attracted the worst form, the worst kind of people, basically mercenaries. uh, And they had a history of atrocities. And so uh, in our own history, in our actual history, they destroyed two towns. They destroyed the towns of Linville and Victoria. This imagines instead is that they ally with the Germans, and together they carry out attacks. They destroy Austin, and they start driving the the American colonist back to the U.S. And then they basically uh, you have this combined alliance. And Karl Marx is there in the mix too because Karl Marx had planned to go to Texas as this place where he could he would be have a. Uh, have very few restrictions that he could carry out his organizing and it's very likely that they also would 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 um, ally with runaway slaves since they were anti-slavery very strongly and they'd also would probably ally with the local mexican people as well so you would have all these groups together which would make up roughly in equal numbers to the american colonists and there is no reason why this uprising could not succeed and you would have a German Comanche alliance, which probably would eventually bring Texas back to Mexico, but they would be probably autonomous uh, regions or territories within Mexico.
0: Right? You saying that Texas would have gone back to Mexico? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Mm. <laughs> but because yeah, Comanches and I think we fought the Mexicans before that, and we. I think one thing I heard yes. about history is that. Like, We helped depopulate Texas, I mean, Texas, yeah, from Mexicans, like, uh, because we were just raiding, and Mexicans were asking uh, white settlers to come in, right, to help Mm -hmm. colonize. Well, they were asking everybody around the world to come in and and colonize Texas, because we were there, but... Yeah, <laughs> just hearing yeah. that part like us going back to Tex- I mean, Mexico it was like, Ugh. but yeah, I, I understand anything could happen, though, you know, you know, but yeah, yeah, because
1: because the other choice would have been that the German Comanche Alliance would have been fighting against Mexico and they had they had they'd had peace uh, peace agreements with Mexico before as well, just like the Apache had. Yeah, and so that it's it's a, a temporary alliance, especially because Mexico is in a chaotic state at this point. Yeah, that the practical thing to do would be to form an alliance. The impractical thing, which leaders like Santana were known for doing, was simply to go in and conquer anybody who opposes you. Uh, that's, that's a possibility as well.
0: So, Yeah. Yeah, I think this is important because, like, you know, just – well, first off, I think, you know, we – most Americans don't, don't even understand the actual um, indigenous history of the U.S. You know, it's a weird. Like, I don't know what they learn in, you know, grade school. That's pretty much all that we're – they were giving them you know to americans it's like during thanksgiving you know and it's just Mm -hmm. like oh the pilgrims came here and we were nice with them and it's like wrong you know but um
1: i mean what i hear from my students is basically they were taught about columbus was a great guy and they were taught that thanksgiving was this wonderful wonderful multicultural event and that and then there really is not much mentioned beyond that they briefly will mention the trail of tears that they were taken away and that was it, but they will not go into detail about the atrocities involved. Um, and so there are exceptions. I have heard from students who are taking AP, you know, advanced placement courses, uh, that, that sometimes that you, they will get a teacher who does go into grim detail about the worst of what happens. Uh, but the great majority of students are just barely, they're barely even mentioning native people. I've had students tell me that basically the last thing they learned about native people in history class was Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, exactly. Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and that's but, it. Yeah, it, it's it's hard because you know, like, as a native person and you know, somebody that talks about, you know, in this podcast, the decolonial the theories, uh, like I have to sit, go go back and explain about treaties, about history, about you know law, and it's just mm-hmm. like over and over again. And it's just like, yo, do you people actually learn anything at school, you know? And it's and it's hard to have non-natives understand... Non-natives of any color, right, understand uh, our situations or, you know, our struggles when they they don't even understand our history, you know? Mm -hmm. On the land that they live on, like they're living on native land, and they don't understand the history here. And it's just, it's frustrating, you know? So I think, you know, this is good because people can look into like actual, what actually happened and what could have happened too, you know, when you're serious. So... Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, and that's been my experience. It's just, it's just that students have never heard this before. And so I'm constantly asking, you know, in the introduction class, introductory classes, I'm asking questions like how many Native people were here and how many Native people are still here. And I get some, the second question gets a lot of really depressing answers of just ridiculously low, low numbers. And I did have one student one time answer back with, I don't know, are there any left? That's crazy. And and I I got closer to him and I said, Could you ask me to say that to me again? And he said it again and he apparently did not occur to him who he was talking to. And I said it asked him a second time, Can you say that to me again? And he still didn't get through to him. I was standing right in front of him. Yeah. And then I, I have a I usually have a usual spiel where I try to imagine where I where I try to I use the trick that uh well one of my professors was was uh, Donna Akers, this Choctaw professor who teaches in Dallas. And you know, she, at the time she was teaching in Purdue, where I was, where she would ask students to give me a give me a quick drawing of someone black, someone white, and someone native. And it was quite striking that someone black or someone white, they're dressed in a suit and tie, they're dressed, they're a fireman, they're a policeman, they're whatever. And of course, the native, the native always has feathers and buckskin. And to get them to realize they have been taught and conditioned again and again. That native people exist hundreds of years ago and that without the feathers there's nobody native around anymore
0: that that's what happened to me in afghanistan when i was uh, when i was when i was you know deployed i went to a little shop a local shop and there was uh somebody that made like uh, wood carvings you know he sold them right mm-hmm. i thought this is really cool you know like um it was really good artwork and one of my friends was like look 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 you know it's you and it was like wood carving of a native dude with a wolf mm-hmm. it's a typical it was mm-hmm. very stereotypical all right but it was really good carving and yeah and the the local afghani dude was like that can't be you he i was like why he was like because there's there's no more native americans they all died they all did the, the u.s killed them all and i was like what yeah yeah <laughs> but that is not true <laughs> and he was shocked he was like shocked that he actually met like a native person you know it was it was kind of i guess an eye opener for me for people you know how people Mm -hmm. see us around the world you know
1: yeah everywhere i've traveled has been kind of it's interesting because uh you can find those kinds of carvings i've seen them in indonesia i've seen them in thailand i've seen them you know in the philippines uh and and when you travel to europe i was there i guess it was about 18 years ago maybe I was giving a series of speeches and there was an Englishman who was sponsoring me. I was crashing on his couch and he's fair-skinned and red-haired. And he, you know, we we're, we put out the flyers for the speech where I was going to speak. And the, one of the people who was going to hear the speech walks up to him and asks if he was the native, you know, just wondering, you know, what, you know, they know that little that, that actually, you know, a red-haired fair-skinned person could be, could, could be seen as native by him because he knew so little so Mm.
0: (laughs) that's wild so Mm. the next the next question i have is about your sci-fi uh series which i'm actually interested in in hearing your aliens one right because i I don't think you released that one yet have you
1: oh no that's actually that's coming up like in a week or
0: two okay because i was like where is it (laughs) but can you talk about your sci-fi uh series
1: right i have a, a series a youtube series called um uh Called uh, you know sci-fi race and racism basically uh, just looking at the issue of race that you see inside some of the more famous sci-fi works out there, and so I did like uh, five different ones on Star Trek uh, of American Indians in Star Trek, of uh, Latinos in Star Trek, blacks in Star Trek, and then I went into Star Wars, uh, you know some of the more notorious racist episodes that happened in Star Wars with with Jar Jar Binks and some other characters. Yeah, Watto. Yes. Yeah, the yeah, the stereotypical uh, Arab and then also the stereotypical Asian. Uh, and you know and Lucas has a history of, of stuff like that. Um and I think I've I've done uh I've the older ones, Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers, and I just did um you know um I'm about to do Aliens, but the one I just did was Battlestar Galactica. Uh where where they have uh, they're showing human. If you watched it, you know this. That, that,
0: yeah, I, I watched
1: that one. <laughs> that that they're imagining humans 150,000 years ago, and of course, all all the humans are white, or almost all of them. Uh, this is one of the things which bothers me when when you see sci-fi. Is there's the strong implication that everybody in space, or almost everybody, will be white. And right now, about 15 percent of the world's population is white. It's likely to go down in the future. So the implication is that either space continues to be dominated by the United States, or that everybody else is kept primitive, or kept under control, or even wiped out.
0: You don't mind like and in so, the future.
1: In the future, yeah, because must... if you have if you have yeah. an almost all white future, that's that's the implication. Yeah. Either either nobody in Africa or Latin America or uh, you know ever developed technology, or they got wiped out. Or they were kept, you know, kept poor and primitive, or something like that. is, is what's likely. To, that's the implication of of having, because when you watch the show, I mean, basically they are being kind of. They try to be diverse, but diverse within you know, within the context of the USA. And even Star Trek did that in the 1960s. They were d- taking a big step forward, and it was a big deal. With the fact they had two out of eight major characters were not white. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but that's and that's really about as far as they're willing to go with being diverse. They want it to be accurate. They should have a crew which is 85 percent not white. And I have never seen a TV show in America or Britain uh, really do that. I think if you watch like Asian sci-fi, like Korean sci-fi or Japanese sci-fi, of course, they're all Asians and they're the <laughs> only ones willing to go. Yeah,
0: yeah, but that's the you know that's the thing when people they're talk being about, just as lazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think when it comes to um, you know like uh, futuristic shows or whatever, I always get concerned when people talk about just in general. They, they talk about colonizing space. I'm like, man, mm-hmm. we haven't even dealt with colonization on Earth because <laughs> <laughs> that's just yeah. still happening, <laughs> and it's fucked yeah. up. So I was like, I can't even imagine like humans going out there. And then how I imagine, like, realistically, I think, you know, humans go out there and, like, colonize alien beings and, like, you know, like, and become racist. Like, literally race, like a race, racist against other beings. And it's just like, what the fuck? I don't want that shit. Like, can we, like, imagine space travel where we're not oppressing any other people or exploiting any other beings, you know? Like...
1: It's, it's- well, it's, in in that sense, the Avatar is accurate. It's one of the few places to one time. It's one of the few times they got accurate is that they're showing the domination, and the Alien series, where they actually have colonial American Marines. And they're actually called colonial Marines. Oh yeah, and they're actually armed with nerve gas and nuclear weapons, and the nuclear weapons can actually be set off by a lieutenant, and and if and just like in the in the second Aliens movie where. You know, where the lieutenant is incapacitated. And so the sergeant is killed. And then the, finally, even a corporal can use an A-bomb
0: that's against
1: aliens. That's I mean, so that's <laughs> and that's what happens in the movie. And that's actually in that sense, they managed to be one of the more disturbingly accurate. Possible futures that they still show corporate col- corporate domination and colonial domination happening hundreds of years yeah, like you say Like
0: you said, Avatar. Yes, I was like, "What the fuck am I watching?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> 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 and it, and it, I was finding funny when, like, not funny but ironic when when you know you know non-natives are like those blue people are like like just like Native Americans. I mean it took it took a movie for you to understand. <laughs> like get yeah. the fuck out of here. It's like dances with wolves but with aliens. Like last samurai mm-hmm. with aliens, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's always like there was the a fucking hero. So Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, I mean it's, it's a good series. I I, I you know, I um <clears throat> I uh, recommend it. Especially that that Star Trek Native American, uh, American Indian episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's wild how they had non-natives play the roles but well, we have that all the time though too you know non-natives playing native roles you know in sci-fi
1: right and I actually i was looking around and just by chance i stumbled upon it apparently you know you have that famous episode where kirk winds up being worshipped as a god who winds up becoming a shaman you know on this planet where native people have been colonized brought there by aliens and somehow never changed their technology in 300 years. The Star Trek episode where Kirk is on an alien planet where they have natives who have been colonized, taken by aliens, and left there. And somehow they 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 haven't changed their technology in 300 years. Yeah, you know that's that was one of the more depressing aspects of that episode. William Shatner, one of his early film roles, was actually called where he was actually playing the White Comanche. That was his actual role. I saw the title of the film. Yeah, Yeah.
0: the poster for that, like like a couple months ago. I was like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. (laughs) That's a lot of my reaction when I see Mm. stupid shit online. What the fuck is this? But, excuse my language. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, (laughs) yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, that's why right now I'm kind of like in development of a comic that kind of goes into futuristic, you know, decolonization and. All that stuff, but you know, it's hard. You know, it's hard to, you know, it's not hard, but you. To, I think we have to imagine what the future looks like, you know, for us to get there. You know, uh-huh. and that's why I'm doing that comment because, you know, one question I always ask people on the get on the show on this in these, you know, um, you know, this this podcast is, what does decolonization look like to you? And I get a lot of answers that like they like dismiss the question or they. They, you know they say some, something weird and I kind of don't don't argue with them so just, whatever but you know like people talk about decolonization and I think we have to imagine it right mm-hmm. yeah and uh, we you know put it in economics we got to put it in political we got to put it in you know cultural and you know legal stuff and uh and I you know I think that's one thing that you know we can you know imagine sci-fi but we also have to imagine what what our role as native people is in the future, you know, how do we want to get there? So, yeah, that's my rant.
1: Yeah, and so I think I mean, there's it, it, not much, and the thing is, there's not much you can point to. You could, from a sci-fi point of view, you would argue that it's basically, uh, it would be a native version of Wakanda. It would be a native version of the of the Black Panther fantasy about about Afrofuturism.
0: Yeah. So that that's what's tough because, like I said, we yeah we we don't. We don't yeah. have that, you know, like that in in media, you know, like futuristics, you know, yeah. colonial shows or movies, and it's just like frustrating, you know. Yeah. Or even comics, I really haven't seen that. Or what it, what it looks like in the future for us, you know, for decolonization, for the globe, for decolonization for the whole planet, you know. So, I think whoever's listening to this, you know, you, you can, you can create story. We should create these stories, you know. So.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think one of the one of the more probably one of the more hopeful and probably obscure to most people listening to this, if you've ever seen an old comic called Turok, where he where he just basically it's it's a oh I think he was what was it what was he Shoshone or something uh, no I forget what 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 background he was but he winds up first in the past he's taken through a portal in time and he winds up in the time of the dinosaurs and then instead of making it making him just a complete primitive who's freaked out by everything he adapts to it. And at some point, he's he's some point he's pushed into the future where he's using futuristic technology, and rather than regarding it as some kind of spooky magic, he says, "Oh, this is new technology," and he adapts it. And so you see, a native fighting dinosaurs with laser guns. That's, <laughs> That's <cool>. actually yeah. <laughs> but you have to really look for stuff like that. More often, you'll see depressing stuff out there like the Beastmaster. Uh, if you've ever if you remember that old terrible movie from the eighties uh, where it was kind of, kind of a rip ripoff. But originally, it was an Andre Norton sci-fi book, where it imagined a Navajo man who could who, who could communicate tep- telepathically with the animals.
0: That's yes, that's wild. You know, the hmm. whole notion that we don't adapt is also fucking stupid too. Because I mean, mm-hmm. we have we have adapted to colonization for a while, and even even during you know the Comanche Indian Wars, Comanches adapted their warfare obviously by you know like. <laughs> adapting the horse, you know, and then guns mm-hmm. and then just mm-hmm. the warfare alone, you know. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, we we do adapt very quick to yeah. our surroundings and that's why we're, we're still here, you know, and this is why our, 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 you know, ancestors had to adapt real quick. And so do we, and I think now instead of adapting, we also have to imagine too. So, you know, but um, I think the, one of the uh, next questions is about, you have a book coming out. You want to talk about that?
1: Okay, and this is a, a little bit different away from indigenous issues. A little, some of it's mentioned in a little bit, but most of it is primarily not. I, I earlier did a book called President's Body Counts, which looked about the human ri- rights records of presidents. And this came out when Trump was still, well, sorry, when Obama was still president. And so I just put out a newer book, Trump's Body Counts Looking at his Human Rights record, which as you can imagine, which is actually the closer you look, the more horrifying it gets. That not simply a third of a million people, Americans dead from COVID incompetence, uh, but you can point to, you know, mass deaths in places like Venezuela, forty thousand deaths from, from the sanctions and the blockade there, and the deaths over in Iraq and the deaths over in Iran, and Christians in Syria that were kept out by the Muslim ban, and Christians in Myanmar who were kept out from the, by the Muslim ban, and even things like on a more personal level you look at uh, some pretty clear evidence that trump is a serial rapist Uh, four credible accounts of trump raping women and girls all of that is, is in the book and all of it is really um i'm planning to release it right as he's leaving office so uh, it'll be just a full account of his horrific human rights rights record which which means i rate him as the third worst of all presidents reagan and nixon still are worse than him but he certainly did his best
0: yeah he was pretty he was pretty fucked up i i was huh. i so in this presidency i think i was i was really scared about the um the rise of white nationalism and the militias mm-hmm. you know i'm still <laughs> I'm very scared of that, like it's just like i I had you know like i've i have you know acquaintances with people that I thought they were my friends, and then they start posting like you know really racist shit on their social medias before I deleted them, and I was like, is this what it was so easy for people to just switch you know to like right wing extremisms and I think it's getting worse, and I think it's gonna get worse, you know, but I always tell people like this is just the beginning of fascism that's going to come, you know, that's already mm. here, but it's, it's going to get more aggressive. So we're going to, I we- think, yeah, Go
1: ahead, I sorry. think, I think, yeah, it probably, will almost certainly will. I mean, it's, it's I mean, his, his movement, it's, it, it's, although it's kind of too disorganized to call, be called a movement, but it just basically, it's just, it's this, it, it is not coherent enough to be fascist. It is kind of just based, just vaguely white nationalist, but pretending not to be. And and the absurd, the unintentional genius of that is the fact that he is able to win over a ridiculous number of people you would never expect. Basically, uh, you know, about a quarter of all Latinos voted for Trump. Uh, about 10% of all Muslims in America even voted for him. Um, you know, you have a large large numbers of of people in some ethnic a number of Asians who voted for him because they have prejudice or because uh, they have are, are in such denial about what their own background is.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah, I agree with you. And to go, to go back a little bit, I don't want to like <laughs> – I don't know why I had that thought, and now I, I have it again, and I missed out. But yeah, George Lucas is a piece of shit when it comes, to no. especially when it comes to like uh, Indiana Jones movies. You know, mm-hmm. those, those movies are the fucking worst. You know,
1: yeah, you think of the second one where, where suddenly you have an entire meal that's just devoted to making people from India look like crude primitives who will who will literally eat monkey brains and bugs.
0: Yeah, they just all, even the whole boulder thing. You know, like. Like you, you know, there's this white dude. I always talk about this. There's this white dude that is going into a sacred space, and he steals some stake, sacred monument mm-hmm. or little statue, you know. And then there's a fucking and There's like darts and shit. And it's like, yo, like get the, get the clue, dude. That you don't belong there. You know, like and he, <laughs> it's privileged privilege yeah. that he steals this. And then he's a fucking hero, right? Like, yeah, you stole this from them. You went through all these traps, and you're, you know, some kind of hero. It's like, what the fuck, like. I don't know, man. Just watching those movies, I'm like, I don't see the the whole hype. You know, he's always fighting like communists or Nazis, and it's like you're the, you're, you're the bad guy in this movie. You know?
1: So. Yeah, but they were the thing is just like the old. And they're they really an imitation of the Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon movies. If you watch the old serials, I have seen them. They are fast enough moving to where you don't, if you, where the the racist message is not that apparent if you don't look for it. Um, you know, in the in the old Flash Gordon movies, where where the where the villain is literally called Ming, as in the Ming Ming Dynasty, and from the planet Mongo, as in Mongol, you know, just where the racism is right there in your face. But because there's all this fast action going on, you're too entertained to object to the racism, and that's the same way the Indiana Jones move movies were. They imitated that but they you know it, it was possible to watch them and think of them like a roller coaster ride and never notice that the roller coaster might be called evil asians or something like that
0: yeah i know it, it's hard because like i really like star wars but that episode one was <laughs> really <laughs> fucked up so mm-hmm. i was just like oh my god it's kind of cringe watching it again but yeah mm-hmm. where, where can people buy your or find your books when it comes out
1: Oh, no, they they are all in the in the usual places. There you have to use Amazon. You have to. There's no way around it. You you will lose three quarters of your sales if it's not on Amazon, Amazon, Kindle, Kobo, uh, Barnes and Nobles, all the usual places.
0: And what yeah. what, what what's uh, do you have a website people can check out? Oh, I I don't. I'm <laughs> okay.
1: I don't have a website for them to look at. But it just I should get one, but I haven't yet.
0: Right, we'll, we'll post your release an announcement when you, uh, when you release your book. So look okay. out for that too. And I also post, uh, the links to your videos on the, on this description for on YouTube. So, yeah. okay. All right. Thank you for coming on and, um, <laughs> p- please, um, hold on for one second. Thank you. Uh-huh.